0: Grace, uh, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever spent time with someone who just can't, like, talking about themselves? You ever had that? Yeah, you've had that? Okay, we got one person out there. All right. (laughs) Or have you ever had a conversation with someone that you meet at first, and you're asking them a bunch of questions about them, And they just keep talking, and they just keep talking, but they never ask a question about you, and they keep talking about themselves, about themselves, they're bragging, they're maybe boasting. Nobody likes that, right? Nobody likes it when someone brags and boasts about their accomplishments, or how awesome they are, or how good-looking they are, or how much awesome stuff they own. And if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. You spend a lot of time trying to teach your children about humility, and about not having them brag or boast about things that are going on in their lives. Nobody likes that. But I think if we're honest with ourselves, we'd have to admit that it's sort of tempting, right? When we're on the other side of it, because we, as human beings, we like ourselves, and as Americans, we like ourselves, we like to talk about ourselves. And in fact, studies have shown they've done this, and they've observed people and questioned them, that people are much more tolerant of boasting and bragging when they're doing it than when others are doing it. It's part of the human condition. We're turned in on ourselves. We like ourselves a little bit too much. St. Paul kind of reorients us in our text today. And he kind of sets it up. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 17, he says, Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself, who brags about himself, who is approved, but it's the one whom the Lord commends. Saint Paul saying, "Your approval, your identity, who you are, the way you view yourself—it shouldn't uh, come from yourself, but it should come from the Lord. It shouldn't come from other people; it should come from the Lord." But the crazy thing about it is that we, too often, we depend on the perceived approval that we get from others. We want others to look up to us for our accomplishments or for who we are or for what we have or as people what we've achieved. And as people, we're drawn toward boasting and bragging about that because then we think others will approve us that way. Now, St. Paul had an interesting relationship with the Corinthian church. And part of the tension there with the church was that his ministry was starting to be called into question And the people of Corinth, they were actually persuaded by the times, and they were persuaded also by certain charismatic uh, individuals. You might say they called them super apostles. They were polished orators. They were slick, not unlike much of our current popular culture and media. And so in chapter 11, 2 Corinthians, Paul is saying to them, he said, why do you guys gladly put up with these fools? Why do you put up? with people who enslave you, people who exploit you, people who take advantage of you, people who basically slap you in the face, and you call it upon your own life. Now, Paul's apostleship was being challenged. And so he says, okay, he says, humor me a bit. I'm going to act like some of these guys. I'm going to be a fool, and I'm going to boast a little bit. And so he tackles his heritage first, his pedigree. He says, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm an Israelite of Israelites. I'm a descendant of Abraham. I'm a servant of Christ. He kind of is going along with their game, but then he does something interesting, and he begins to boast, and he begins to brag about his experiences, and you may know people who do that, but he starts to brag about experiences that are kind of what we usually would not brag about. He says, I've worked hard, I've been imprisoned, I've been flogged severely, I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, I was stoned, I was shipwrecked three times. I spent a night and a day at sea. I've been constantly on the move, I've been in danger from rivers and bandits, fellow Jews and Gentiles. I've been in danger in the city, I've been in danger on the country, I've been in danger at sea. I've labored, I've toiled, I've gone without sleep, I've been hungry, I've been thirsty, I've been cold, I've been naked, I've felt so weak. And you're kind of like, well, what kind of boasting is that? People usually don't boast about experiences like that. Second, Second Corinthians chapter 11 verse 30, he says this. He says, "If I'm going to boast, if I'm going to brag, I will boast of the things that show my weakness." And so that's the kind of context of our text for today from 2nd Corinthians. He went from boasting about his heritage to boasting about these experiences that actually demonstrate weakness and brokenness and difficulty and hardship in his life. And then he jumps into talking about visions and revelations, and that's where our text starts to come in today. Second Corinthians chapter 12, it's in your bulletin, it should be up on the screen. And Paul says, I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations. From the Lord. Now, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows. He was caught up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. Now, all that stuff, that's a whole different sermon series, all right? We can't get into it. It's kind of crazy. But this is where we're coming. Verse 5, he says, I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Paul is reiterating the fact that if he's going to brag, he's going to brag about the brokenness in his life. It starts to get counterculture at this point because you're kind of like, what is going on? What are you talking about? Then in verse 6, he says this Even if I should choose to boast, I'd not be a fool because I'd be speaking the truth, but I refrain so no one will think of me. More than what is warranted by what I do or what I say or because of these great revelations that are in my life. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh. A messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it from me. Now, we don't know exactly what this thorn in Paul's flesh was. But we know it wasn't good. It was a thorn. It was some sort of disease, people say. Some people say maybe it was depression. Some people say maybe it was an adversary. Some people say it was some difficult situation. We don't know exactly what it was. But three times he pleaded from God to take it from him. We know that it was some sort of hurt, some sort of habit, some sort of hang-up in his life. And it's kind of cool to see that St. Paul, one of the guys who wrote most of the entire New Testament, is a normal guy like the rest of us who has a thorn in his side, who has a hurt, who has a habit, who has a hang up, who has a struggle and he hasn't have it all put together. And then comes the response of Jesus to this. I read this at a devotion on Monday night and someone said to me this is like some of the most countercultural stuff you will ever hear because this is not the way America works. In verse 9, it says this. Jesus said to me, after Paul had pleaded three times, take this thorn from me. Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. I got a friend who has a tattooed right across her forearm right here. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, So that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, this is crazy. It doesn't sound like an American, does it? I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Our little Colin and Seamus today, in many ways in the world's eyes, would be considered weak. They're children. They depend on other people for everything in their lives. But as Jesus says, the faith of a child is what is required to enter the kingdom of God. In Christ Jesus, they are stronger than most because they have the faith of a child. And Jesus' message for them and for us is that God's grace is enough. God's grace is powerful enough. And when I was reading these verses a few weeks ago, it reminded me of my friend Bill Lawrence. Bill, why don't you come on up, Bill? And uh, Bill and I have basically been writing this uh, sermon for a year or so, or more, or longer. And uh, uh, you may know Bill here. You may have seen him behind the drum kit. He's usually playing drums back there. Yeah. And uh, does great. You may uh, remember his dear wife, Patty, who was one of our vocalists. And uh, Bill and Patty have been here for a while, and they moved away to Atlanta. And then they came back to us this past summer. And. Uh, Basically, this past year, Bill and I have had uh, many great conversations about life, about God, about his word, about his grace in our lives, and about his grace being sufficient for us, even in the midst of our weaknesses. And uh, our conversations have been uh, encouraging, they've been around the word, they've been prayerful, they've been filled with gratitude, and so we kind of wanted to invite you in to the conversation and kind of observe and be part of it as well, and I think it might be a blessing to you. Um, we talk about connect to God, grow together, share Christ here at Saint John's. That growing together part is huge. It's important to grow together with other believers, uh, to share life together, to talk about the Word together, and to pray together. So. <clears throat> Bill, I remember one of our conversations uh, about this verse, specifically verse 9, that says, my grace is sufficient for you. And would you share a little bit, some of your testimony, and also about how God's grace is enough? Absolutely.
1: And I'm so very glad to be here today. And when uh, Pastor Michael asked me, I thought, oh boy, I get to share my weakness in front of all of you. (laughs) But again... Um, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Make sure you always include the last part of that statement because when I looked at this earlier, I thought sufficient. That's kind of a, an adequate word. But what follows it, my power is made perfect in weakness. It's always important to include both of those in context to this. And that's where my story begins. 2013, um, my wife, Patty, and I, were. uh, our life was great. We were leading worship here at St. John's. My job was going great. Patty was finding victory uh, over her alcoholism at Celebrate Recovery here at St. John's. So we were in a really good spot. Uh, But right then... I got uh, called into my office the next day at work and my boss said we're consolidating all of our corporate functions to Atlanta. So basically what that means is we'll give you a promotion to go or you can stay and not have a job at all. Well, it didn't take very long to make the decision besides Patty had always told me if I ever got that offer to go to Atlanta to go because she was a real Southern gal at heart. (laughs) So we did. We moved and um, I'll tell you, within a week, Patty had found a Celebrate Recovery chapter out there. She had community, she had support, and a beautiful basis and environment to have friends. Me, I immersed myself in work. And God put me through what I now term as the 3J program, the Joseph, the Jacob and the Joe program. But that, that's what he had to do to get me to the place to be broken and see him in the now. So time marches on. Uh, my life is all about work. I had so much favorite at work in, in the five year period that I was here before we moved back. Uh, I had three promotions, and um, uh, that was amazing. And Patty was just flourishing in her life uh, in celebrate recovery. And um, But something happened inside of me. I was watching her flourishing, and uh, I started to pine for my past, where I had my community, my music projects. Uh, All of the fellowship of everybody here, and I was starting to get stuck in the past, anxious about the future, and totally missing the now. Um, Two years move along, and uh, Patty and I went to New York because I had a business trip out there. And on the way out there, we got the call that she had a very aggressive form of melanoma. that is a major priority shift. Um, so my all the plans I had been making about, gosh, how can I get back to California? How can I reclaim the world that I had? Um, and what I thought was incredibly fulfilling for me now changed to, wow, what about Patty? What about it's all about? her now. And so all of my plans about trying to get back were now about exhausting all of the possibilities we had about there for her treatment and her healing. And those doors were closing fast because the treatments they had out there were not as progressive as they are out here. So we started to travel out here, we were going to Mexico for treatment, and we discovered that uh, City of Hope had the treatment that was for us. But there was one major obstacle, and that was when we moved out there. My work set a precedent that anybody who moved out to Atlanta could not move back and work out of respect for all of those that lost their jobs when we did move out there. So. One of my gifts is planning, it's also a curse. I'm a control freak, or I was, I'm a recovering control freak. Um, What I do is I research, I make plans, I put the team together, I execute it with all my resources, bang, bang, bang. And that's what I was trying to do with Patty's treatment. And it wasn't working. And I came, when we came to the critical mass, when her disease had progressed, I knew I had to go before the president of the company and ask if we could come back. And my boss was saying, well, I don't think so, but I'll help you, I'm with you. And for months concocted every, PowerPoint presentation to justify my existence in the company and look at everything I've done and oh, I'm so valuable, please, please. Um, And finally, when the critical time came that it's like something has to happen, I knew that uh, all my planning and everything that I had been doing was useless. There was no way that I could do it. So the next day, I, uh, I basically surrendered. I gave up and I said, God, you have to do this, I, I can't. So I went in the next morning and I made an appointment to meet with the president and I went to my boss and I said, well, 10 o'clock I have an appointment. I'd like you to come with me, but I don't want you to say anything. I need to be the one to talk. Uh, And he said, that's fine. That's totally fine. I'll be there for moral support and whatever. So we went in and we sat down. And this was, remember, four years leading up to this of me scheming, contriving, planning, and uh, I came up with nothing. So we sat down and the president. Uh, looks at me and he says, So, Bill, what can I do for you? And all I said was, and this was God, John, it's time. I need to move Patty back to California to have the support of her family and friends. And I need the support of my family and friends here at the company and I can't do it without. And that's all I said. And he leaned forward and he said, well, you know, Bill, Ian, that was my boss, mentioned to me uh, a month or so back about this and I've had time to think about it. He said, uh, you know, five years ago, I asked you to move out here. You moved your family. And in that time, you gave your heart, your soul, your talent, your passion to the company, and I can do no less than return in kind. So this is what we're going to do. You're going to go back to California. You're going to work at home. Your main job is to take care of Patty and, um, and remember that if you need anything, we're here for you. And he turned to my boss and he said, Ian, make it quick and make it painless. Now, if God was ever present in something, that was a moment for me where everything shifted. Fast forward, we moved out here. And um, that was August 6th of last year. And um, Patty passed away December 29th of last year. So two months before she passed away, and she, we received the final diagnosis from the doctors that there was nothing else that they could do. God's peace came upon us and spoke to us and said, from this moment on, it's all about helping everybody else to come to terms with what's going to transpire. And um, His grace, His power, and His peace was so present and when Patty did pass away and I had the honor of, you know, she was holding her in my arms when she passed, it was a sacred moment. And I saw but the hem of his garment, but I knew that that was God ordained. But when something like that occurs, your whole world comes apart, you're numb, you have no past, you have no future, you are in the now. And in that now, I also got the news that my mom was uh, in critical condition and she passed away two days after that. So, then begins the Job Accelerated program. Everything's taken away, what do I do? But I'll tell you, Weakness equals God, God brings peace, peace equals joy. In that moment, in his grace, was an inexpressible, indescribable joy that came to where in the moments when I was grieving the hardest, I felt joy. How is that possible? It wasn't that I was happy about what had happened, but I had a joy that was the byproduct of that intense peace and outpouring of God in that moment of being broken and in my weakness. And that has become a model for my life going forward that we can pine for the past, but we have no control over there. And there's nothing we can do about it. We can be anxious for the future, we have no control over it where does God meet us he meets us right now his peace his joy is available to us now and it will be tomorrow and the next day and the next day but for me where I stand right now I am in the zone of his grace and I have the power of his peace in the midst of my weakness. Amen. Amen. Um, thanks,
0: Bill. We, Bill and I were talking about this text this past week, too. And you said something really cool about when Paul said, I had the thorn in my side. And you connected it to Jesus a bit. Could you elaborate a little more what you're... What you're yes, saying? this
1: came out of a conversation I was having with a good brother, and I'm always asking questions about God, with God. And we were talking about um, that God knows everything we've been through. And I used to think, well, he's never been divorced. He's never lost a job. He's, how could he empathize with that? And in context to... The, uh, the teaching today with Paul in, with the thorn in his flesh we may have thorns a thorn but when you think about it Jesus willingly gave his life and in the midst of it he received a crown of thorns which was four the sacrifice of himself for us all so that we could have this grace and this peace now. So bearing with one little thorn doesn't quite compare to the crown and the ultimate challenge of of sacrificing our own life for
0: everyone else. Amen. We were talking, too, about how um, God has used your experience in weakness and in brokenness and the power of God coming into your life in his grace, his grace being sufficient for you, but how he's also then been able to use you in the midst of this in your grief. Would you be able to share a little bit about that? Um.
1: Yeah, just recently um, uh, I produced a large event for the company and I was there with all the top salespeople, all of the C-level executives. And um, in the corporate culture, the way it is now, it's very difficult to share faith and whatnot. It's very restricted in that respect. But I had both the president and one of the top sales leaders come over to me and, and they said, you know, we have a member on our team who's just lost his wife, would you go and minister to this person with everything that you've been through. And then the president had another associate that he was working with. So the door was open in an amazing way. So not only was I able to be moved out by God's grace um, and work out here, but the company now has identified me as a person in the Lord who can minister to these needs. And in the corporate environment, that's exceptional, and it could only happen nowadays
0: by his grace. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bill. I personally just want to say thank you. Um, It's been awesome to go along with you in the journey, especially this past year. And um, I've learned a lot about God's grace through your faith and also uh, through Patty's as well. And as I said at uh, her memorial, the both of you uh, taught me what it means to walk in God's grace in the midst of some very weak and broken times. And I've seen his power manifested in both your lives. I'm grateful for it. So, Thank you, Lord. Yeah, All praise and glory. Yeah. Amen, be. brother. Let's pray for you. <clears throat> Let's pray for Bill. I also want to lift up. You have a prayer sheet in your hand out there. Please pray for all those folks in there. I want to add, too, especially... One is a young boy, two years old, Hudson, uh, Victoria Royer, uh, the grandson of our chairman of our congregation, Chris Victoria, involved in a big accident. He's at Chalk. He's doing pretty okay right now, but he needs healing. And also, uh, one that's not on there is um, uh, Phil Lawrence died, father of Randy Lawrence, and so we mourn with them. But I want to pray for Bill, and we lift up all of our brokenness and, and pray for God's grace in our lives. Lord Jesus, thank you for our brother Bill. And we thank you for Patty, and we thank you for uh, their faith and trust in you. We thank you for the victory that Patty has. We long to see her. Can't wait to see her one day, Lord. She's in our future. We praise you for that. Bless Bill as he continues to rely and trust in your grace and continue to allow your power to be manifest in weakness. And I lift up everyone in this room as well that we may trust in your grace, that your grace is enough and sufficient for us. Let us trust in your power through your grace to overcome our weaknesses. Let that be the thing that we boast and we brag about.